Welcome to the Worship Central Podcast. We are passionate to see the worship and creativity of churches throughout the world set on fire. Join us as we explore what this might look like. Hey, well, welcome back, everyone, to the uh, September... Worship Central oh, podcast. Yeah. It's been an awesome summer for all of us. Different ones have been away. Yes. Drake's been in Greece. Ooh. The Hughes have been in France. Oh, oui, oui, Where have oui. you been, Herbs? Uh-huh. San Diego. Oh. Did you meet Classy San Diego? Yeah, Did you meet Shamu the killer whale? Uh, uh, what? What? Oh, free Shamu. Nice. Is that a campaign that you're running? Oh, yeah. Nick's still wearing his sunglasses for Mm -hmm. those who can't see. Uh, yeah, he just, he likes to wear Such them. A diva. I think I know, just feels good. Anyway, Luke, tell us what's happening. Uh, we've got a great episode for you. We're going to dive straight into the live chat, which uh, Reverend Dr. Drake is uh, bringing some great stuff to today and a fantastic song and then an awesome interview with Governor B, no less. So let's go straight into it. Here's the live chat. So today we're looking at the idea of liturgy and what liturgical worship might have to say to us in contemporary worship lands. Really Ooh. exciting topic. I think there's lots in it for us to look into. So, yeah. so first of all, though, Nick, what actually is liturgy? Well, that's a very good question, Anna. Thank <laughs> for you. For those of us, you no, know, it's a great question. Beings who don't know what it is. Yeah. Tell so us. liturgy has two senses. What um, in one way it means simply a pattern, a pattern of worship. So, a bit like Nick's shirt. Yeah, for those who um, can't see, can't see. Yeah. Next, <laughs> <next> <laughs> <one is> actually, <laughs> more more of a TV statement than a podcast statement. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So pattern. yeah, the, so the pattern. And now we can think in a kind of you know contemporary church setting, we can think, well, we don't have a set written liturgy, but actually mm. we do. So theologians of Pentecostal worship call it an oral liturgy. So it's not necessarily written down like um, like as Anglicans, we have the mm. Book of Common Prayer. And that shapes our worship pattern. But we still have a liturgy, even in a church that just kind of decides what to do the night before. Usually it is some kind of fixed pattern. There will be a a sense of, hey, we've done this last week in a similar way. Um, And in fact, it's been said, whatever you do for the third time in a row, that is your liturgy. That Mm -hmm. is your pattern. Because the first time could be an accident. Second time you might repeat bits of it. But the third time it becomes set. So one meaning is a pattern. And sociologists, again, talk about rites or rituals. So say happy birthday, always bringing out a cake, putting the candles on, mm. everyone singing around. That, that's a form of, of liturgy. That's a mm. form of pattern that mm. we all know what it means. And so therefore, there's also the sense that the pattern or the liturgy shapes meaning, shapes what you think the experience is that everyone in the room is having. Mm. And that's what's interesting for mm. how we create worship, how we pick sets and stuff like that. Um, the second sense of meaning is it, it, it literally means the work of the people. And I think that's really mm. interesting because, again, oh. with liturgical worship, you can tend to think like, oh, it's someone at the front leads all this pre-planned stuff. Um, but actually, mm. in its true sense, it actually means participation by everyone. Mm. And again, thinking of John Wimber, the vineyard, um, you know, he talks about everyone gets to play, being yeah. a value for both ministry and worship. Um, the congregation being the choir. I think that really marries well with a true sense of what liturgical worship means. Mm. How can we release everyone to participate and in participating, Mm. release meaning for everyone in the room as well. 
Um, so, so some of the most powerful moments, so say baptism liturgy, everyone has to agree, you know, that, that mm. yeah, this is what we're doing and we're welcoming them into the family of God. There are moments where we all participate. And so it creates this shared sense of meaning. So again, I think there's some really interesting things we could talk off off the back of that yeah. that come out mm. for contemporary worship design as yeah. well. So, I mean, going straight in there, what, what do you, what would you say in terms of the contemporary um, worship expression, what are the things that you think we should borrow or steal from more uh, traditional liturgical ways of thinking about mm. worship? Mm. What, what are the benefits? What, what should we dive I, I into? I think for me, one of the key things is, is this sense that God speaks first right, that he addresses us first. So if you take kind of the pattern, because what one pattern is just revelation, i.e. the Bible, mm-hmm. like God's story, how he's revealed himself, it always begins like he speaks first. In creation, beginning of John's gospel, you know, God speaks first and then we respond. Mm. And Jesus himself is the ultimate word of God, the ultimate speech of God into our world. And so again, I just think as far as we can, we set and, and design sung worship in a way that it's revelation first it's like god speaking first and then our response um right from the start and Mm -hmm. and and again the challenge um for us is like in contemporary churches because liturgical written worship often starts with a statement like grace mercy and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ so it literally starts with the voice of god Mm -hmm. not a human you know, voice. Mm. So again, like, how do we get that in while still being relational, informal? Mm. You know, that kind of idea, I think, is a tension mm. for us and is a challenge at times. I think it's really interesting that when you think about set lists, um, yeah. again, we, we often talk about with the set lists, you need content and engagement, which I guess is the, we need to remind ourselves of who God is. It's yeah. like, I think these songs of, content which i think the hymns were amazing at doing they just rich theology um rich unpacking of who god is and then we've seen i guess very much through wimber and 80s 90s this sort of intimate engagement not just singing about god but singing to god um and i i think this liturgical thing is really important in terms of making sure our set lists and we talk about this don't we having songs that are cross-centered think if, if our worship is not mentioning the cross mm. then there's something seriously wrong you know it, yeah. week after week um so so, so I, I think I've, I've always found that really helpful to be thinking through the song flow that there is enough of sort of singing with the mind and also singing with the spirit which again paul talks about i'll sing yeah. with my mind and i'll sing with my spirit so i i think it's really helpful that revelation response when we're looking through our sets to th- make sure we've got both yeah, and I think what one of the easy mistakes I remember, you know, for me leading worship in the early days is, I think the temptation to use the response songs before the response yeah. is there. Yeah, yeah, Do you yeah. I mean to right. to trigger a response yeah. rather mm. than to be the expression of the response. Mm. So you know, i.e., starting the set with a real emotionally mm. charged response song isn't always going to be the the wisest thing because there isn't a platform of truth to jump off well, and, and, and that's is, is the pastoral responsibility because it could be you know some people i guess their devotional life with god is so strong that you can just and that, that's the ideal is that everyone could just jump straight yeah, in right. i love you i love you yeah. i love you because they've been feeding themselves yeah. the bible and, but for lots of people mm-hmm. they kind of wander into church and they've been thinking about kids screaming in the car or you know heartbroken whatever and so actually they need something just this is our god this is who he is mm-hmm. um 
I also think it's interesting though the way that uh, modern Christian songwriting has gone in terms of like you think of a song like So Will I and actually that song seems to blend everything together in the sense that there's real lyrical content but people uh, there's a response as your mind is sort of uh, filtering all of that content yeah. and and it and it's feeding your soul and your mind there's a response as well so I wonder whether I don't know is that just those guys hit the jackpot you know and they're combining all this stuff together or or what what do you think yeah I think but it is I, that perfect combination of truth of revelation and response within one song yeah and it, that that isn't always easy to pull off is it yeah totally and I, and I think it, it is it is a jackpot isn't it mm. it's a it's a it's a genius yeah well-crafted song what would you say nick about though how liturgy forms and shapes our minds mm. well that, that and that's why thinking about this idea of worship being liturgical even contemporary worship is so important because of its formational aspect because again that, the temptation in contemporary worship is to focus so much on encounter as the key goal and reason for the right. singing um whereas there's this in the in traditional liturgical worship actually the one of the main goals is formation mm. you know mm. that the, the pattern is discipling people yeah right because because they're invited into journeying through this pattern that is mm. the story of god and so you, you're thrown out the other end more shaped in god's story and so i think there's a extra level of responsibility on on contemporary worship planners to be mindful of that formational aspect as well mm. when they're planning and, worship. And, and what does that look like practically? Like are you thinking, okay, different themes, different characteristics of God, the different, you know, parts of his nature. Mm. How, how do you think that outworks practically for, you know, Bob preparing a set list for this coming Sunday? Well, I mean, very, very simply, and we've already said it, but it's so easy to forget is always having a cross-centered song yeah. in the set. Um, it's, but it's so easy sometimes to, to, to not. Um, so I think always having a Jesus-centered set um, at the center, um, and ideally a Trinitarian set mm. in some way. Mm. Um, but also, I think taking the responsibility off just the singing, that we can frame the singing times with other, obviously with, with readings of scripture, with prayer. Yeah. There's other ways to make sure it's a formational piece that is coherent. Mm. See, I remember one exercise we did at HDB, um, we should probably do it here, but I'd encourage people is, is we, we kind of clocked the songs we did for three months. Yeah. And then we looked and we just began to notice some of the missing, mm. I guess, doctrines, things that, you know, we weren't really ever thinking about God as creator. And for that's such a rich mm. part of who God is, you know, and for creative people. And the, it's, it's interesting when, you know, very rarely were we singing about pain and suffering. And I think most people, which isn't always a good thing, but I think it is a bit of a reality. Learn so much theology and understanding of God through the songs. Mm. And so I think it is quite good to look over a chunk of time to see what are the themes that perhaps are missing, yeah. which can again help form and think through uh, set lists. And also your songwriting, I guess, as well. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, I guess in summary, just be aware of how what you plan for your song worship is forming people in a pattern um, mm. and be aware of how that shapes people and that good worship will invite people into experiencing God. Um, and it's an invitation into the good things of God. So that's, that's our worship planning. Great. Brilliant. So Herb's got some time with Governor B at the week. So uh, let's check out the guest interview. 
Awesome. So just here with Isaac, also known as Governor V. Good to see you, mate. Um, actually, just what about the name? Talk to us about that. Yeah, I, di- I didn't really think about it. Um, so it was a tag name. At school, we had little tags. So my group of friends, we were like a little army. So one of us was called uh, General. And really? Lieutenant. And I was the governor. You were the governor. Was that about football, the way you play football? Nah, the, you I know, don't know why it was. the governor, didn't they? Come on. Oh, yeah. And that wasn't because of that. I wasn't that good at football. Like, I was all right. But it was mainly because we were just messing about and thought we were cool. But we weren't. And the B stands for my surname, which is Borkway. My parents are Ghanaian. Um, so I've been in two minds whether to actually change the name or just start using Isaac. But I don't know what I'll change it to. Yeah, what do people think? I mean, we want to hear, you know, like, actually... Yeah, let me know. Maybe send them some Would that some be useful? Like, should we get a bit of a poll? Do we think... It would. I just don't want to confuse people. So, for example, do you know who Sean Combs is? Yeah, yeah. Puff Daddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but not everyone would. You. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was so under, like, the pressure. And I was like, man! <laughs> Woo! Thank you, people! One nil, right. one so nil. That, that tells me that I can do it then. As long as people still know that I'm the same guy. That's what's important. You know, that's pretty cool. And and I guess... He was like, uh, no, no, but it's... Okay. I know, I was really, I was really <laughs> worried about answering that question, mate. But, um, but I, I think, I guess the thing is, because you've got a reach that is, obviously your background, um, for those who know, you, you, you've, you've had this background in the church, but so much of what you're doing is outside the walls of the church. Mm. And I guess having a sort of simplicity and a recognition around that so that people can kind of latch onto what you do is pretty important. Yeah. I mean, talk to us a bit about, you know, your vision really outside the walls of the church, what you want to achieve, what is the journey as an artist, you know? Yeah, I guess I heard this great quote like years ago that really kind of inspired my creativity as an artist and said that art should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. Mm. I think that's what I want it to do, really. It's always been like a bridge between the streets and the church because I grew up on a council estate in East London and I've seen what kind of hip-hop culture and grime culture um, can do to the minds of young people. It conditions um, us to just chase after things that aren't necessarily that fulfilling or satisfying. Um, so, you know, the same old like money and yeah. material possessions and relationships, wrong kind of relationships, drugs, that kind of stuff. And I've just seen the power of music in a negative way. Um, and so I feel like my approach is to use the message that, that God's given me in a positive way um, yeah. and challenge those same mindsets. And I can't always do that to the best of my ability inside the four walls of the church because I feel like it's important to to preach to the converted sometimes and strengthen strengthen Christians. But like I got a real heart for people that are really like out on the streets, man. And yeah, I'd rather like have a one on one conversation with a guy that's on the street corner than anything else. Like most of the time, to be honest. And you're an advocate for that, aren't you? I mean, you've been on BBC News mm. quite a bit recently. Um, you know. What's been happening there? Those doors have opened. Yeah, it's been great. I try not to do too much of it. So like I get asked quite a lot, but I only really go on when like I feel like my heart's really stirred and there's an audience that I can maybe challenge that thought and perception. Because growing up where I grew up, like knife crime and and youth violence is is nothing new. It's been happening for years, um, especially when it's like the summer holidays or in the evenings because there's like a lack of youth services and that kind of stuff. But where it's affecting people 
outside of your usual settings and not just like poor working class, like black kids or whatever. It's affecting a wider community. There's a lot more of a light on it now. Um, so I just feel like it's a great time and a great opportunity for the people of God to to be outside the four walls of the church and speaking into, into these issues because you and I know that Jesus is the answer, but not everyone does. So when I get to be on BBC and, and Sky and stuff, I can't always be as explicit about my faith as I want to, but I can use the kind of... Um, I don't know, just that foundational message of Jesus to speak yeah, into amazing, these in, into these scenarios. And I think you do that so well. Like you kind of straddle that line of you're totally grounded in the church, but you're out there making a difference. And it's mm. it's really inspiring. And I think, I guess what I, I was thinking about is just for someone who's listening to your music who wouldn't necessarily call himself a Christian, what is the biggest compliment that you could be given like what do you hear mm. coming back through maybe some of the truth in your lyrics and your raps and the way you you know putting things together yeah for you the feedback what does that look like what does it sound like um yeah that's a good question i think because of the fact that with that generation today one of the big i wouldn't say complaints but bits of feedback is that church isn't relevant or Jesus isn't relevant to yeah. the challenges that we face today so when someone emails me saying I heard your music and because of that I've stopped self-harming or I've thrown my, my knives Amazing. away or I've decided to leave the gang that I was part of shows me that actually like Jesus is never changing he's always going to be relevant and he's always going to have the power to, to change hearts so yeah just when I see the music reaching people in very real situations and Jesus using it to really change their hearts just makes me feel good man yeah, yeah and, still and powerful. I guess another theme that you have running through sort of your recent work particularly as well as you know Hands of May for working last album mm. um, is this theme of loss and do you want to say a little bit about that um, yeah because I think that's also a very current thing. Yeah. You know, we're hearing a lot more of in the church and tackling with these really, you know, vulnerable issues. I mean, yeah. do you want to say a bit about how that's influenced your music and the message you wanted to carry with that? Yeah, sure. So lost my dad pretty suddenly about 18 months ago and lost like a couple of mates um, on my estate when I was younger, but I didn't really deal with that in the right way I just kind of blocked it out kept it moving um but when I lost my dad I had like a real strong relationship with Jesus I was like really positive had a great outlook on life but I really struggled to reconcile that situation with with my faith um and I realized that a lot of us are probably been through similar things have lost people close to us uh, even if it's not a person maybe like the loss of a, a career a job a, a dream and it's really tough to deal with like when we find ourselves in those situations because we know God's above it all but we can't help but feel disappointed and dejected and, and sad and, and depressed and, and anxious and that kind of stuff so hands are made for working was I guess the tension between me being open and honest with where I was at in my grief and my faith. Um, so just working that out and just saying, you know, it's it's okay to be really vulnerable if that's Psalm 13. It's crying out to God saying, God, like, why have you forsaken me? Where are you in this? And I'm trying to make sense of this and just yeah. help me out, you know? And it's yeah, just I creating room for that. 
So it's like when I listen to that album, it's like modern day laments, you know, mm. like coming out. Yeah. This music that is connecting outside the walls of the church is phenomenal. It's a great album. I'm going to give it a plug for anyone who hasn't picked no. it up yet. Make sure you get it. But Cheers. I think what I love about your music is within all of that, within all the frustration, within all the loss, within all the um, naming the reality of what's happening outside the walls of the church, there's a resonance of hope that comes through. Like somehow you manage to find this line that is just on the right side of, I'm going to mm. bring hope, I'm going to bring positivity through this. Mm. And I think one of the tracks, Cast Your Cares, you know, um, sort of carries that message. You were just here this morning leading it at yeah. Worship Central of the Week. And it seemed to really connect with people. Um, what does that track mean for you, you know, when you're leading it? Because also that does something in which... It, it, it brings the worship leader mm. side of you out. Is that something you're wanting to kind of move into a <laughs> bit more? Are you, are you thinking, you know, is that part of the name change thing? Or, <laughs> you know, are you seeing that? <laughs> Not intentionally. Maybe I'm getting older. <laughs> that's, that's got anything to do with it. Um, but I guess in terms of, uh, I guess like in my deepest, darkest moments, like when tears were flowing and stuff, I had a lot of frustrations, but I never felt like I was alone. I didn't understand what God was doing all the time, but I knew he was there. And so I felt like it's important for me to lament, but also display that there is hope because that's genuinely what I feel in my darkest yeah. moments. And I think there's space for, for both. There's people out there that are like, you know what, the church doesn't, talk enough about like real situations and real hurt and real real pain they just expect us to get over yeah. things really quickly so you have to lament but also i feel like it's important with that that do you know what there's always light at the end of the tunnel and even when we don't understand what's going on jesus will never leave us and never forsake us and i think that worship music has a great way and great space to express that stuff and sometimes rap doesn't always connect in the way that i would want it to so talked earlier about being the bridge um i love bridge and rap and worship so much because you can have those personal verses that are just really vulnerable and give people a glimpse into what you're feeling but then in the chorus and then the bridges you can bring it home to something everyone can relate to and sing along to so yeah i love that and, yeah. and we hear that don't we in the world you know mm. um it, and, and i think i guess are you are you kind of you're writing a new record yeah right now there's loads of new material is this a kind of slight window into where you're going what's the theme in this next record are you carrying some of that stuff forward or you know is there a bit more worship in there or yeah there's definitely a bit more worship in there um it's just yeah bridging the gap between rap and worship because on like a skillful level some like amazing like worship songwriters that just have a way of drawing people in and, and having melodies and, and words that people can really connect to. Um, but then on the other side, I grew up on like hip hop and, and gram. So that's always going to be like a huge part of my, my DNA. Um, and I think in the pop world, it happens a lot. So you've got like these big melodic yeah. choruses that draw yeah. people and everyone can sing it the first time they've heard it. Um, but cool rap verses. And I just feel like if similar was to happen out of birthed out of the church and birthed out of what God is doing, could make real, real impact on listeners and audiences and just connect really well. And that's going to be ready when? Uh, so if 
the tracks are as good as I think they are. <laughs> the big if. Hopefully October this year. But if awesome. it's not great, then we'll go for March 2020. Oh, that's brilliant. So what will happen if it's not great? <laughs> will we'll you look at some tracks, write a few more or? Get rid of the worship choruses and just keep it all wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, go back, go back, go back. <laughs> no, I feel like it'll be different because I don't know what you're like, but if you've put out something that's done quite well, like my last album, you always want to try and better it. But I felt God say to me, don't try and like better the last album. Like I'm doing something fresh. I'm doing something new. So it's just going to be different. Like, so just be open to, to what I'm doing and don't try and make another cast your cares or whatever. Yeah, just absolutely. Always yeah. look for what, what I'm doing now. Do absolutely. you know what I mean? What, and what do you think, um, I mean, what would you say to those who are wanting to, I guess, follow in your footsteps, been inspired by, by what you do? Yeah. They're starting out on a journey. I'm just so aware that on this week that we're doing right now, we've got 150, you know, sort of young worship leaders gathered here. They're mm. all on different journeys. Some of them definitely going to land more in the worship world. Others, I know that when I talk to them about songwriting, they're thinking, I want to do stuff that kind of connects outside the walls. What would be your kind of advice? You've been on an amazing journey. You know, you're, you're playing some pretty big gigs now. You know, you're mm. like out and about. You're traveling around. You know, people getting to know your message, who you are. Yeah. What would be your advice? I'd say like embrace the thing God has given you that makes you different. Because like I've been struggling a lot recently with imposter syndrome. Um, uh, don't we all? Yeah, yeah, I'm learning that, that we all do. Um, but it's like, oh, okay, I'm in church settings and, and doing worship stuff. Can't really sing, don't really play an instrument. I'm outside of the four walls of the church doing that, the rap stuff. I'm not like Stormzy, I'm not Skepta, I'm not Chance the Rapper, I'm not Kendrick Lamar. Don't really feel like I have my place in this. But I don't know, sometimes I feel like when you're in a setting and you're like, I'm nothing like the people here, embrace that and realise that you're meant to be there. God has you there for a reason and you have something to give that's unique and, and, and God-given. So I'd just say in whatever you're doing, embrace the thing that, that God has given you that makes you different. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And mm. probably the hardest thing to do, but probably yeah. the most essential. Yeah, it's a consistent challenge. I haven't got it all figured out. And I feel like you're always going to have the little bit of like, oh, I'm underqualified or I'm insecure. But whenever you get those thoughts, kind of focus on the strength of, of Jesus inside of you and, and just embrace it, man. So um, what would you say to the church in the UK right now? Like what would um, be your message? You're looking say a message from the streets looking back in yeah what would you say to us like what do we need to know right now that's going to help us i say two things number one is get your hands dirty hmm. um i was at a church in Reading the other day and they started to do like a lot of outreach work so people from the local area that are involved in like some really really tough tough stuff opening their, their building on a Friday night and allowing the kids to come in, just have a bit of like a chat about faith and talk yeah. about where they're at, play a bit of games, that kind of stuff. And some of the families of that church um, decided to leave because they didn't want their kids kind of like interacting with the kids from the area. And I'm like, come on, man, like we've got to get our hands dirty and be, be willing to mix yeah. with the people that really need light. If we're going to allow ourselves to leave when things become a bit uncomfortable yeah i don't know how many people we're going to reach yeah. but if we're willing to to get our hands dirty mix with these people and then i'd just be willing to get a bit uncomfortable maybe we can make a real impact 
um, on culture. And then the yeah, second thing I'd say is when it comes to worship stuff, think on both sides, um, older generation, to embrace cultural shifts and things that younger generation are doing differently and kind of like embrace the freshness of what God has given the younger generation and also to the younger generation to don't take for granted the kind of wisdom that comes with partnering with with the older guys you know yeah. um, we can learn from each other I love that like multi-generational yeah honoring each other that's it seeing that there's good everywhere do you think it, it's interesting because it seems like worship for me is more segregated than ever you know it's mm. in one degree you have sort of music that works here and music that works for that group of people are we diverse enough like in in our worship yeah so you say that but i feel like it's more the machine might not be diverse enough yeah. so there still might be different areas so you've got these people over here than those yeah. people over here but I've found myself in settings. I was wondering last week, actually, where there's people from all different backgrounds and um, singing that, great are you, Lord. Oh, yeah. Butchered the melody there, but you know what I'm <laughs> talking about. Um, and it's just like everyone connects. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think when we allow ourselves to unite yeah. and put ourselves in same settings and, and think about inclusion and stuff, it works. But just the way things are culturally and the way the machine is segregated. Yeah. Sometimes it seems more difficult than it is, yeah. but if we allow space for that to happen, I feel like we'll realize that we're overthinking it, and actually, it's really easy to do when we're in the in that space. Mate, that is awesome! Thank you so much. It's been great to hear your thoughts, and yes, um, you know, wish you really well with the new record. Thanks for all you've done at the Worship Central Week this week, and catch you soon, mate. Let's check out the song feature. Let's listen to Cast Your Cares. We 
love this song, Cash to Cares, written by Nick Herbs, Matt Redmond, Jimmy James, and Governor B. Um, fantastic song. Um, just really honest and raw and we found that people really connect with this and actually really easy to do in, in a bigger band setting but also we've done it in small groups and mm. staff meetings and I think again there's, there's a simplicity and an honesty in this song that just connects so directly with people Nick tell us a bit about how the song was written and how it came about um, well one day um, Jimmy James and Governor B uh, came up to my place in um, here in Birmingham, and <laughs> they um, and they've been writing, working on um, Governor's album, uh, and we just booked in this one session. And that morning, I kind of woke up. I think the scripture I read was "Cast Your Cares," you know, um, classic scripture. And I just thought, wow, I haven't actually heard a song about that mm. for quite a while. Um, and sometimes that kind of thing happens. You know, you just wake up that morning. That's the scripture. You go, great, let's go with it, and literally sat down and just started playing this tune and uh, I guess my thinking a little bit and I'd never written with Governor before I've done quite a bit with Jimmy James but was that feeling of just maybe a song that just creates a little bit of space Mm. on an album where there's so much Mm. lyrical content and which is brilliant as well and really impactful and hard hitting but just to have a moment it's a bit like a breath and you can just listen and and, you know and just receive that message and then um and it needed a bridge and then Matt Redman um, actually mm. came up with this fantastic bridge you know really yeah. great part of the song and I'd really encourage um, anyone you know listening to this just there's a fantastic song story actually about this online that Governor's done which is a kind of animation mm. and I actually think it's one of the best song stories that um, I've seen done you know mm. so I'd really encourage you check it out you can find it really easily cool but it, yeah it tells you in more detail but um, it's a real joy to write with those guys mm. absolutely loved it and um, yeah thrilled to be part of it awesome that's a great song so every episode we spend a little bit of time focusing on songwriting the art and the science so here's Nick Herbert take it to the bridge thanks Nick <laughs> Um, so I got a little songwriting thought um, for all you budding songwriters out there and this one I'm calling Trust the Truth Um, and I went on this songwriting retreat um, a year or so ago um, in Nashville uh, and we're writing for um, an artist and I remember when we gathered there together about 10 of us on this retreat and the person sort of hosting the retreat just said this and it, it really stuck with me they just said um, you know, we can come here today sort of maybe bringing some of the best poetic thoughts that we've ever thought about. Uh, or, you know, many of us sort of harbour this longing to find that obscure scripture that no one else has found that you can write a song about, you know, in Haggai or something like that. But what this is, look, I really want you to encourage you just to trust the truth of the big themes of the gospel to go back again, to look at the main themes, because actually we've all sung about those main themes so many times in church. Um, The way we're writing this weekend is, is again, um, we're writing for people who've who've sung those songs so many times. Don't be afraid to go back and look at them again. Um, And of course, it's truth that unlocks hearts. And we've got to trust the truth that ultimately it's going to do the work that we want it to do when Mm. it's spirit empowered. And I think that's really key. So even if we have some of the best poetry that we can bring to an idea, if it's not true, then it can't end up being in a worship song. 
And and um, I think it might be Matt Redman said at some point, you know, um, poetry always has to sit underneath truth. Hmm. Mm. So we've got to trust the truth in our songwriting. Yeah. So today, if you're writing a song, don't be afraid to go back over the big themes, over the stuff that maybe you've heard many, many times and just write there again. Mm. It's so interesting because, you know, what we were talking about earlier in the episode about liturgy and um, how truth, I guess, can form our thinking and even form our poetry. I don't know. Well, yeah, I think the the, the key, the next part of trusting the truth is, is actually to reawaken what is true. Mm. And mm. that is really the heart of songwriting in a way, you know, mm. is, is trying to take these big themes. So a really good example of that is a song like Surrounded, where you have in the verses, you know, the idea of there's a table you've prepared mm. for me well we all know that imagery we've all heard that imagery you know um the lord has prepared a table in the present but just putting it in that way in that moment in that song mm. suddenly reawakens yeah. that imagery and suddenly makes you think about it again yeah and go right in the midst of all my yeah. enemies there's a table but it's truth we know it it's well known but suddenly it's become fresh again and that's a really good example of even little changes like rhythm and then where yeah. that where that line begins and ends in the rhythm of the song yeah can can reawaken yeah. the same truth you know and, yeah. and that, so that's really interesting for songwriting yeah. as well awesome thanks so much for joining us this episode and we love hearing from you guys so if you've got questions thoughts that you want us to discuss different topics please send them in uh, you can email us at podcast at worshipcentral.org we'd love to uh, release what's called show notes where you can look through the content and the different kind of nuggets and thoughts that go into these um, episodes gather your teams together and uh, discuss off the back of it hopefully another resource uh, and, and a way of training your teams up please leave us uh, a rating and hit subscribe and see you next episode <laughs>